word today comes from John chapter 4, verses 27 through 42. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with the woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then the disciples said to each other, someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish this work. Don't you have a It's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Mary and the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the women's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days, and because of his words, many more became followers. They had said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard from our, heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, this week I was uh, watching a TED Talk by Cassie J. And uh, Cassie J., uh, when she was a teenager, uh, was cast in the role of uh, the girl who screams in scary movies. And uh, at some point she realized that was kind of the extent of her future. And so she decided rather than being uh, in front of the camera, uh, she would be behind the camera. So by age 21, uh, she had set out a course to, to do documentaries. And uh, in, in the TED Talk, it was called uh, Meeting the Enemy, uh, she t shares about uh, this specific uh, documentary that she put together called The Red Pill. And in that, uh, uh, she uh, spent uh, hundreds of hours, or uh, uh, at least 100 hours, recording interviews with 44 different people, many of whom she uh, disagreed with. Uh, basically, she started from here, and they were here. And, uh, and during her TED Talk, she admitted that uh, uh, 100 hours in conversation with these folks, uh, that she really did not hear them. And uh, she said that the moment changed when she began to review all that material. And she transcribed uh, every question and every answer. And during that time, she finally heard what they were saying and she moved from this is me this is them to now I'm coming uh, and connecting so 
With that in mind, uh, the, my message today is stop, look, listen. And just to kind of give you an idea of where I'm coming from is, as I've been thinking about my remaining uh, uh, time as lead pastor here, uh, I, and honestly, it wasn't until, until it got down to nine uh, uh, messages remaining, and that's today's the first of the nine, uh, that I really started to, to recognize my time is short. That uh, and, and in thinking about that, I go, well, you know, after 37 years uh, serving as, uh, what is it that I, that's really important to me? Uh, what are the, what is a, a, a value that I want to share with the congregation as a whole? And it comes down to there's there's two things that Jesus has said that really guide uh, my uh, life as a as a Christian, and also guide my my uh, ministry as a pastor. Is an invitation where Jesus says, "Come, follow me," and and that's not an invitation to pastors. That's an invitation to anyone uh, who is. Who wants to, to be a, a follower of Jesus Christ? It's my invitation, or an invitation to me, but it's not just to me, it's to you as well. Uh, the, the second uh, phrase is, uh, is go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And uh, this is not an invitation, it's an assignment. It's like, once I've heard the invitation, come follow me, then Jesus gives to me an assignment. Now go, therefore, and make disciples. And, and again, this isn't just for pay, uh, pastors. This is for people who say, uh, uh, Jesus Christ is my Lord. And so I am invited to come and, and uh, assigned to go and let other people know about him. So... Uh, with that in mind, we're looking at John chapter 4, and, uh, and Cheryl read, uh, read verses 27 through 42, but it really uh, starts at the beginning in, in John chapter 1. And, and we're going to be looking at this, breaking it down into stop, look, and listen in relation to Jesus. And so the first thing we're going to start with is simply Jesus stopped. Uh, in uh, the opening verses, uh, uh, John records, now Jesus had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Uh, so uh, we're, we're hearing uh, this story unfold, and, and just a little before this, uh, what it, it has, been, uh, has been described to us through John's writing is that Jesus and his disciples are in Judea. They're somewhere around the Jordan River that, that uh, there's a rumor going around that Jesus is, disciple, or is baptizing uh, and uh, and uh, John clarifies that it wasn't Jesus, but it was his disciples. But anyway, running around uh, in the Judean area, uh, there's this realization is we need to get out of here and we need to go back uh, to uh, our uh, our uh, 
area, which is Galilee. And so they were going from the southern part of Israel uh, to the northern part of Israel. And in between, there was a region called Samaria. And it was a, an area that was, uh, was not Israel. And, uh, and Jews typically did not go through Samaria. And yet we, we read, now Jesus had to go through Samaria. And so as they're traveling from one place to another, the disciples, they keep, they keep going, they go into town to, to get lunch. But on the other hand, Jesus stops, sits down, and waits. Now, there's another uh, 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 story in, in Scripture. It's found in Mark uh, chapter 10 where Jesus is again with his disciples. They've come into the city of Jericho and now they're on their way out. And so on the edge of town, there's a beggar named uh, sitting there uh, begging uh, for, for money. Uh, there's a group uh, uh, you know, following uh, Jesus. And so the folks from Jericho, they're excited and, they're, and they want to hang around Jesus for as long as possible. Uh, and uh, Bartimaeus, he doesn't see what's going on, but he hears what's going on. Uh, he doesn't know who's, who's passing by, but he, he has this sense of that something important is happening. And so he asks somebody and they tell him, uh, you know, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he goes, oh, Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me. And, and the folks who are used to blind Bartimaeus say, shh, shh, hold it down. And, uh, and he just cries out all the louder, Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me. Uh, and that's where we read in Mark 10, verse 49, Jesus stopped and said, call him. And, uh, and so they call uh, Bartimaeus, uh, the master is calling you. And so he gets, goes up there and, and Jesus, of course, asks, what do you need? What is it you want? And he, I want to see. All right. And Jesus does the Jesus thing. And the next thing you know, blind Bartimaeus, you can't call him that any longer. He can see. But in this story, Jesus stopped as he was moving through the country. And he stopped because there was a need. Now, the, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, stop, look. And so we're going to look at the next thing is Jesus looked, or in this case, Jesus saw. Uh, and and uh, again, we didn't read this part, but now the Samaritan woman is on her way to the well. And as she's approaching the well, she looks and she sees. And what she sees is uh, that there's a man who is sitting at the well. And, and uh, her preconceived ideas uh, about, uh, about people uh, went with her. She didn't see uh, this particular man. What she saw was a caricature of the man. He was Jewish and he was a man. And, and the two things uh, about those statements for her was Jewish meant arrogant. Uh, this was a proud uh, fella. Uh, and, and man meant danger. And so what she saw was an arrogant, dangerous man sitting at the well. And, uh, and yet she has the courage to continue approaching uh, that. On the other hand, Jesus didn't simply see another uh, Samaritan woman. He saw this Samaritan woman. 
He recognized in her that there is something a little off. It's the middle of the day. She's coming to do a, a, a very difficult job. She's coming to gather up the water that is needed in her household. And, uh, and this, is, this is not the norm. This is not how the community uh, deals with it from the women come together for safety reasons and they do it in the morning for comfort reason. And yet here is a woman alone in the middle uh, of nowhere except there's a well. And Jesus sees all of that and recognizes who she is, that she is a, a person who is struggling. Now, there's a, another story where Jesus sees a, a woman. And uh, this story is found in Luke chapter 7, where Jesus has been invited to the home of Simon, a, a Pharisee. And, and when I say Simon, a Pharisee, that means here is a man of, who is wealthy and has uh, power and influence, influence in the community. And he's very re religious. He's straight legs. Uh, you know, there is a way to go. And if you're outside that way, you're lost. And so Jesus is sitting at the table, uh, dinner table with, with Simon, when a woman comes from outside into the, his home, into Simon's home. And, uh, and she's carrying a She breaks the seal and begins to pull. She's sobbing uh, and, and her tears are hitting the feet of Jesus. And Jesus is is uh, our, and, and the woman is using her hair to dry uh, Jesus' feet. Simon, now he sees again a caricature of, of the woman. He knew what kind of woman she is. If you go back and, and read in Luke 7, he describes her very simply. She is a sinner. And uh, he is thinking in his mind, if this man were a, really a prophet, he would know what kind of woman it is who is touching him. So these are the things that, that are going on in the heart and mind of Simon. And all he sees is a harlot, a street harlot, who is no value and who is a corrupting uh, uh, element within society. And she has brought her corruption into his home and is corrupting Jesus. Now, Jesus says, Simon, I want to tell you something. Simon says, go ahead, sir. And he says, there is this fellow, wealthy man, had a couple of guys who owed him some money. One owed him $500, the other owed him $50. At some point, he recognized neither one was going to be able to pay him off. And out of kindness, he, he forgave their debt. And he said, now, Simon, when those guys left, which one of, you, which one of them do you think loved the man more? And Simon said, well, obviously, the one who had the bigger debt. And then this is what happened after that. It says in Luke 7, 44, then he... Jesus turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? Now, I've already covered where Simon was in his mind. This was a worthless woman, a street harlot who corrupted his community. But what Jesus saw is this is a broken woman 
who is so weighed down by guilt and shame and is so desperate for forgiveness and redemption that she's will, willing to, to come in uninvited to a place that she's not welcomed, just ability that, that Jesus can change her life. So Jesus stopped. Jesus looked. Then the third thing is Jesus listened. We don't have, uh, we didn't read the conversation between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. But, uh, but if we did, what we would find out that the conversation starts in the shallow end of the conversational pool. That, uh, that it starts with a simple request. Jesus asked her, will you please give me a drink of water? Now, she immediately takes it a little bit deeper by saying, you, a Jewish man, ask me, a Samaritan woman. And so she, she points about, out immediately, we're different. We come from a different community, a different culture. And, and she's, not saying, she's not pointing this out as, as a matter of fact, maybe he didn't get that. She's pointing it out as a, as, as a fence, as a barrier to separate the two of them. Because is an arrogant, dangerous man. And she wants to keep that emotional uh, distance between her and him. And yet, as they continue the conversation and things go back and forth, there's a moment where Jesus has, has seen and heard her heart. He sees, he hears uh, uh, what she's done. Now, interestingly enough, like I said, I believe that he was intentional in going to this place. I can't prove this in any way. I can just surmise this because it seems like he had... Uh, from John's writing that he is purposely in this place and how in the world could he be in the right place at the right time and I, I believe that, that he was not only listening to what was the conversation that was going on between him and, and the woman but there was a third party there was the man Jesus the woman uh, the, from Samaria and God that Jesus was in conversation with the father and when she did arrive, he continued to listen to the father and to listen to her. And so that he was able to, to see things that he otherwise wouldn't be able to see. Because there's a moment of revelation where he just peels back the, the appearances and simply says, go ask your uh, husband, uh, invite your husband and come back or go and bring back your husband. And she says, I have no husband. And, and he says... You're telling the truth. Uh, the, the fact is you've had five husbands and the man you are now with is not your husband. You really are telling the truth. And it's at that moment where he uh, gives insight into the woman and recognizes who she is and how she's struggling. And, and uh, a part of me uh, kind of wants to, at this point, stop and say, look, Jesus is talking to a woman, and it seems like he is a, is a supercomputer with instant access to the internet, that his mind is full of all the facts. And, and I would, uh, 
wager that what was really happening here is that Jesus is, is listening in the same way that you and I have to listen. We have to stop, we have to look, and we have to listen for the voice of God. That God has been speaking into uh, Jesus' life just as he is willing to speak into our lives. I'll give you an example from my, my own life. Uh, I shared this in the first service that, that um, there was a, a, an invitation to go to uh, uh, the United Methodist Church in Kennedy, uh, my home church, Sanctoria, a group of folks were going to Kennedy to listen to the special speaker. And, and the speaker gave his message, but at the end of the message, then he began to speak directly to individual people. And, uh, and when I was there, it, is, uh, it, would be, it would be like listening in on a conversation on the phone. You know, that the person uh, in the room, you hear uh, his side of the conversation, but you don't hear the other side of the conversation because this is what was happening. And, and, and in particular, he happened to look at uh, a, a young woman who was from our church and I knew her well. And he was speaking into her life as if he knew her well. And I knew that because I knew the girl. But as he's speaking to her, something goes through my head and it was kind of, I'm looking for affirmation from God that, that yes, you have called me to, uh, to, to be a pastor. And as I'm thinking that, is the moment I ask the question, he turns and looks at me as if he had just uh, heard what I said, answers what I asked. Now, I did not know him. He did not know me. But he did know the Father, and I knew the Father. And, and uh, in that conversation was uh, because God was present and God was speaking. And I, I believe this is similar in, in this situation to what Jesus was doing. He was listening to the Father, he was listening to the woman, and he was responding. All right, we, uh, you know, we uh, have been, uh, uh, oh, my goodness, I want to pause here for a moment because there's something that we should have done already, and that's the key verse. Uh, Javi, you probably brought it up, and, and I went right by it, but I want to come back to the key verse because I want us to I want to say it, and then I want you to say it with me. And, and this is the key verse from this passage. It says, uh, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. So let's say that together. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. All right, so, so, you know, to put that in context, Jesus has been talking with this woman. And, uh, and uh, there's a point where he uh, reveals who she is, but then he reveals who she, he is. Uh, she says, when the Messiah comes, he will tell uh, us everything. And, uh, and, and Jesus says, I who am speaking am he. In other words, I'm the Messiah. He reveals that to this woman. And, uh, and she hears that, and she is so excited. She pops up, and, uh, and the disciples are coming up at that moment, and she races off, leaving her 
uh, her water jar behind. Now, the disciples are kind of scratching their head and saying, you know, what's been going on here? And, uh, and then they say, uh, Master, uh, we've got food for you. And he says, uh, I'm, I'm already full. Uh, I've got food that you don't know about. And, uh, and, and then he says, uh, my food is to do the will of the Father. And after that, where Jesus says uh, this, don't you have a say? It's still four months until harvest. All right, I want to pause there because, you know, Jesus is talking about this. And, and there are fields that have already been planted and things are coming up, which means in Israel or Samaria at that time, it's about this time because we planted and uh, there are plants already coming up. And, and we can look, in fact, we can just travel between here and my house and you'll see a field and the plants are already coming up. But I know it's not harvest time. In fact, I know from experience, we're about four months away from harvest time. All of us know that. And Jesus is, is saying, you just walked by a field and, and you know that if I said, when's harvest time? You say, well, about four months from now because you're thinking in natural ways. And then he turns it and, and, and uh, he puts it in a spiritual form when he says, I tell you, let's say this together, this part. I tell you, open your eyes, look at the fields, they are ripe for harvest. Now he's gone from the natural to the spiritual. He's not talking about plants, now he's talking about people. And I want to pause here for a moment because uh, recently uh, John Fletcher, who is uh, uh, the United Methodist pastor at uh, Kelsey Memorial here in Corpus Christi, sent out uh, a link for uh, conversation. There's four of us pastors who uh, do a podcast called Almost Perfect, an almost perfect podcast. And and uh, uh, John is usually the one who sends the link. Is uh, how do you, you know? Would you like to talk about this? And and this was uh, this came out March 29th, uh, 2021. And the title of it is U.S. Church Membership Falls Below Majority for First Time. And Jeffrey Jones has this opening uh, paragraph. Americans' membership in houses of worship continued to decline last year, dropping below 50% for the first time in Gallup's eight-decade trend. In 2020, 47% of Americans said they belonged to a church, synagogue, or mosque, down from 50% in 2018, and 70% in 1999. All right, so for uh, actually for a little over 80 years, uh, Gallup has uh, been uh, interviewing and polling people to see uh, their connection with uh, their faith connection. And in 1937, uh, the percentage of people who were who affiliated with the church, uh, synagogue, or mosque, and, and uh, whether it's uh, uh, 1937 or uh, 2020, most of those, the majority of those are talking about a church affiliation, but it was 73% in 1937. And uh, for the next 60 years, uh, when, when polled, 
uh, everything hovered around 70 to 73%. It's just pretty constant for 60 years. But uh, after the turn of the century, there's been this decline, this steady decline, until last year. Now, those answering that question are 47%, less than half of Americans affiliate with a church, uh, a synagogue, or a mosque. All right. One of the things in, in that is, is as we hear that, that especially old folks like me, you know, uh, we're... We're, uh, we're position. You know, I was uh, around uh, when school prayer uh, or prayer was taken out of public school. Uh, that happened when I was in grade school. Uh, I was around uh, probably in high school uh, when, uh, when uh, scripture, uh, like the Ten Commandments, were taken down from public buildings. And, and so there's this, been this, this uh, decline in, uh, let's, I would say, the Christian culture it, and its influence within our, uh, within our nation. And, and the tendency is to say, those godless people are winning the culture war. Uh, that the ungodly are, are changing uh, the uh, America. Uh, that sure they talk about spirituality, but they're not really seeking the true God. They're not looking to be real, genuine, true worshipers. I mean, and, and here's the interesting thing. Everything I just said about the current culture is exactly what the 12 disciples were saying about the people of Samaria. The Samaritan woman. These people are godless. Sure, they have some form of worship, but it's not the true God. They're not seeking the true God, and they're not seeking true worship. These people were written off. And here's the amazing thing. The disciples went into town, and, and they saw a community, and they did not see anyone who was ready to receive Jesus as the Messiah. Not a one. Not a one. They had spent days, weeks, months, and perhaps years at this point with Jesus. And yet when they went into town, they didn't say anything about it. On the other hand, this woman that they would have written off in that moment, spent less than an hour with them, had her life changed, and she went in and she said, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? When I think about this, as a follower of Jesus Christ, come, follow me. It's my invitation. Therefore, go and make disciples. That's my assignment. And in order to fulfill my assignment, I need to, to follow the example of Jesus Christ who, who stopped, and I need to stop, who looked, and I need to look, who listened, and I need to listen. And, and the interesting thing is, Truly, I need to stop 
look and listen. First of all, for God. Um, many of you have done the Experiencing God study, and there's two things, two very simple truths that come out of that study. And I, I did it in the mid-90s in, in Russia, and I've never forgotten the two uh, simple truths that came out of it. Number one, God is always at work. Number two is, find out where he is working and go join him. When we talk about stop, look, and listen, it is listening, it is looking, and listening for God. And then joining him in our community where he is at work. I uh, sat, uh, I think it was right about there on Thursday, and, uh, and Hope and I were, were talking, and, and I asked her for permission to share this. But anyway, we're, I know she's had a practice a, a long time, and I was curious about this practice. And the practice is very simple, that uh, as a professor, she knows that there are students at times who just need a home-cooked meal. And, and it's because she's been attentive and, and aware of that. And, but it really began when she was a student along with her sister at Southern Mississippi in Hattiesburg. And that was a half hour from where she grew up. And uh, there were a lot of students who lived a lot further away. Special times just to have a, a, a home, especially at times when uh, young people stuck in dorms were vulnerable. And so, so uh, it's been her ongoing uh, practice to do that now as an adult, and, and she continues to do that. Now, that was simply because she, uh, both as a student and a professor, she stopped long enough, she looked and she listened to, to the uh, students around her in order to respond to their felt need. And that's what we're talking about here is, you know, stop, look, and listen, and then go. And go where? Let me tell you the first place you should go to stop, look, and listen. Go home. Go home. And stop, look, and listen to what God is doing in your own home. Go to work. And stop, look, and listen to what God is doing in your workplace. Go to school and stop, look, and listen at what God is doing in your school. Here's one thing I say, this is a place I don't want you to go. Don't go to church, but be the church. To live, to love, to laugh. It is all Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.